T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine, and we are here in the Hyundai Score Studios until 11 o'clock this morning talking baseball as we do each and every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year. And today, we are marking a solemn, significant anniversary that helped reinforce baseball's role in society. Today, we will commemorate that anniversary when our country changed forever 20 years ago today, September 11, 2001. Baseball was one of the many paths, Bruce, that Americans took on the return to normalcy, one of the ways back to sanity and one of the outlets to make us feel better, helped our country mend and heal. And in some small part, it, it felt pretty big at the time. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Chris Bryant's return to Wrigley. We certainly will talk about Carlos Rodon's strong start at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday night. And whatever else you want to talk about, 312-644-6767. But, Bruce, I think we talk about the anniversary because of its significance and because of the role baseball played then and now in helping us uh, feel better about things and, and the, the outlet that it represents. Well, you're right, David, and good morning to you and good morning to all of our uh, great listeners out there as well. And uh, it is a somber day, and uh, I think uh, just like um, – uh, very few occasions in our lives you remember exactly where you were if you were a, uh, a you know a young young uh, growing up uh, child or a um, or uh, an adult on uh, 9-11 exactly when you got a call from somebody else that said turn on CNN uh, that that was uh, prevalent and going on all over the entire world and our country for sure when uh, the planes hit uh, the World Trade Center and uh, uh, our lives and everyone's lives in the United States were, were changed forever. And uh, you're right, baseball did uh, play a very uh, minor but significant role in the healing of our country and it uh, can, continues to do that 20 years later as uh, all teams, uh, all 30 teams will pay tribute uh, to uh, the fallen people from 9-11 and the tragedy that occurred that day today uh, with the many different ways of um, 
of handling the the tribute to uh, the people that we lost that day. Yeah, the Cubs and Sox both played later today, and they will both, you know, take the moment and and commemorate uh, the occasion and bring attention to the fact of what happened. And people do remember vividly. Obviously, it's one of those one of those times you'll never forget where you were and how you felt at that at that instant. And and then we pivot to baseball, Bruce. This is a sports talk radio station. This is a baseball show. And you remember that the White Sox were in New York, miles away from ground zero, if you will, playing the Yankees, scheduled to play the Yankees, and then they had to take buses out of town um, later that day or the next day. The Cubs obviously interrupted. They didn't – neither team in baseball came back until September 18th, hmm. and and it was until September 27th, you'll recall, that the Cubs uh, returned to Wrigley Field for the first time. And, Bruce, I – as we get ready to kind of reminisce and look back at that moment specifically, what do you remember about the Cubs' first home game at Wrigley Field, September 27th, 2001, when um, when it would become a night to remember? Well, just the you know the initial part uh, when the, the game began began and Sammy Sosa uh, initially ran out and uh, ran out to his position in right field like he did every game as a Chicago Cub. Uh, running full out to the fans in right field and greeting them. But this time, instead of just a wave, it was an American flag that he hoisted up in the air. And uh, the, uh, the crowd went crazy. It, it was, a, uh, it was a, a, a shocking and uh, beautiful tribute that I think everyone responded to. And then later on, he did some more magic. Sammy hits a high fly ball, deep right center. Back goes Merced to the wall and right, looking up, leaping. That ball is gone for a home run. Sammy Sosa has hit one into the basket just to the right of the 368 sign. He's carrying an American flag around the bases, and the Cubs lead one to nothing. Pat Hughes on the call, as always, never sounded better. Sounds the same today. And that was a moment, Bruce. That was a moment as Sammy Sosa homers. If I recall, and maybe this is the way legend has it, but the wind was blowing in and people didn't necessarily expect him to hit the home run. And yet there it was. They were watching the ball sail out of the ballpark. And next thing you know, Sammy's rounding first and he's got a little American flag as he rounds the bases. And everyone was like, well, what in the world? Where did he get that? And as we would come to learn later, it was Billy Williams coaching first base. And he, Billy Williams had prepared for this moment and had uh, the mini American flag in his sock. And he handed it to Sammy as he rounded the bases. And it was one of those highlights you never forget. And on a day like this, you want to remember because it does reinforce baseball's role in society. But, Bruce, that was quite a moment. And who would have thought Sammy, the master showman, and you remember back of just how good he was at that part of the job. He performed and he made people feel better. And it was almost like a visceral reaction to people applauding and roaring in the, of the crowd. What a moment. It, it did also transcend uh, sports a little bit because of the fact that uh, Sammy, a Dominican player, uh, you know, kind of uh, showed his tribute to uh, this country that he did so well in and became a citizen of along with so many others uh, that, uh, like all of us, that came from somewhere else originally and became Americans. And that was a true American moment 
display by Sammy Sosa with that, that great tribute. And um, again, um, it was scripted by Billy Williams, but um, you know, no one knew for sure except Billy Williams in his mind that well, Sammy was going to hit a home run and that flag was going to be taken around the bases. I mean, that is just, you know, that is that is unbelievable legend. Now, now, Billy Williams is the master of anticipation. You don't hit what he hit without having to understand what goes on in a baseball game. But come on, Sammy hit 64 home runs that year. It was a pretty safe bet that he was going to hit one that night. <laughs> well, that, that's a fair point. Uh, you know, he was in the midst of, uh, of hitting home runs, and it became almost like a yawn uh, after a while because uh, he's the only guy to hit 60 home runs or more three times in three three uh, different seasons and uh i'm i'm doubting i'm doubting that'll ever happen again but you never say never uh but i think getting back to the point with with sosa and cub fans um it just you know it resonated way beyond cub nation that night i think so we are we are taking all your reminiscence uh, as far as uh how baseball impacted that time for you at 312-644-6767. That's our show theme today, uh, 2001 and uh, the tragedy in New York and how baseball helped and helped you uh, get, get to a point of healing uh, as we moved on. Yeah, call us, text us, let us know. We are here for you. We will talk about other things, certainly, but if you want to chime in, with what you remember and just what, what role baseball plays for you. That's a good way to put it because it means something different to everybody, Bruce. And, and as, as we kind of um, sift through this today, we want to also let people know we, we are planning to talk to White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz later in the show around 10 o'clock and in the 10 o'clock hour also welcoming in an old friend, Joe Madden, the Angels coach, former Cub manager i'm sorry coach it's the angels manager not a coach the cubs legend it's your notre dame background david you know there's nothing <laughs> you can do about it joe madden at 10 30 <laughs> and a lot plenty of other uh conversations along the way but bruce as we kind of um look at the present as we appreciate the past yesterday at wrigley field was a talk about emotions that was an emotional day for cub fans for chris bryant it really hits you when you see a professional athlete uh, come back and wipe tears away because he was touched by the moment, and that's what Chris Bryant did as he was honored uh, before the game. And it, it was part of a day that uh, I think probably tested his, his his ability to focus because he said it was difficult afterward. Bruce, you were there, and you were asking the right questions, and you have been there since the beginning with Chris Bryant. Just wanted to kind of see what you will take away from yesterday and what you thought about the way that Chris Bryant really handled himself in a way that I think surprised nobody who has gotten used to, to the classy guy that he is. Well, a Cub fans aren't going to like to hear this, but uh, th- this is the happiest I've seen Chris Bryant in three or four years. And uh, the reason I say that is he didn't want to leave the Cubs. He never did. Um, he uh, He was traded because there was not a an agreement that was to be made between the Cubs and Chris Bryant on a long-term contract. But um, as far as his loyalty to Chicago, the organization, and the fans, it, it remains, you know, today, uh, you know, a love story between the both both sides. It'll always be that. I don't think it'll ever be anything else. Um, David, at times, I think people will allude to the fact, well, you know, money got in the way of this, baseball contracts, 
the business of baseball got in the way. But that can't take away what he meant to the franchise, or what he meant to uh, this organization, how uh, as a uh, person and as a baseball player uh, at the highest level. So with, with all that in mind, uh, a very happy Chris Bryant returned to Wrigley Field and was very emotional uh, about uh, the events of the day, including just walking into the ballpark originally uh, during, through the right field concourse and not knowing where he was at. He admitted he had never been on the right field concourse because the Cubs uh, clubhouse is on the left field uh, concourse. He had never even been there. And when he walked in, people were, you know, there, was, there were people outside, there were cameras outside. But when he walked in, he tried to pretend, he said, that he knew where he was going, but he didn't. <laughs> uh, so he was looking around, smiling, waving at everybody, and then at the same time going, where in the hell am I going? I, I don't know where this uh, clubhouse is. And it was uh, it was typical Chris Bryant of being, you know, the, the honest, straightforward uh, guy that uh, I grew to uh, really enjoy being around and admire over the time that um, I covered him from, well, really 2013 until he left on uh, July uh, the 29th. And it was typical of the refreshing transparency that he continues to show especially when talking about just how emotional Friday was for number 17. It's weird, but at the same time, it's like there's a lot of new people over there too. So it's like, I don't know, it's just it's a little bit of both. Like I obviously played a lot of years with a lot of those guys. And coming through the right field fence here, and I'd never even stepped foot on that side of the concourse. So I was almost lost. I had no clue where I was going and all these cameras in my face. So I was like trying to play it off like I knew what I was doing. I um, but no, I just, I don't know. It's, just, it's like, it's still so new too. So it feels like I was just here. He's happy, Bruce. I agree with you. That's an interesting observation. As happy as you've seen him, why wouldn't you be happy? You're in a team that is the best in the National League. You have World Series aspirations. They're using you in ways that, that reflect your versatility. I think that you look at the Giants and we saw how dangerous they are and, and his role in this. And, and it was great to see, and I think it speaks to the kind of person Chris Bryant is and teammate he can be. When they were, when they were honoring Chris Bryant at home plate, the Giants were not disinterested participants, the, the, the team kind of just waiting for this to end. His teammates were on the top step and they were watching him get praised by the crowd and, 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 and wipe the tears away from his eyes to see what, what the, that meant to him. And, you know, this is a good fit for Chris Bryant, and I think it spoke to just what he means to the Giants to see their response to what was going on on the field. Well, outside of Buster Posey, who's a, a superstar from uh, at least uh, two to three championships with the Giants, uh, the, the other players on the Giants, a lot of them, you know, pretty new over the last few years, they were pretty much in awe of the uh, – the idea that there were seven cameras there and 20 reporters and, um, you know, there was a mic stand for all the microphones. This is an important man in Chicago history. This is uh, one of the great players in Major League Baseball. And uh, I think for his teammates, looking at the response, the, the only thing that I could surmise out of all that, David, was, wow, he's he's one of our teammates and he's helping us, but 
man, uh, he he was really something here. And uh, there was some shock in uh, some of the eyes to, of the uh, uh, of those players to see what a big deal and how important Chris Bryant was here. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce, but I think he almost brought out the best in Kyle Hendricks, who was as sharp as he has been in a long time. It wasn't the reason that the Cubs lost 6-1. to one. Hendricks was actually pretty good, especially it seemed like he was locked in during KB's at-bats. It looked odd seeing number 23 step to the plate instead of that familiar 17, but it was uh, something that I think Kyle Hendricks, uh, he, he looked like he was pretty sharp and responded to the moment after that, the Cubs bullpen. They kind of got the, you know, the, the Giants did what the Giants do. Six to one victory over the Cubs, and they're back at it today here on the score and uh, at Wrigley Field. And uh, the, the Giants are going to, um, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that look very, very difficult to beat in the postseason. Well, the Cubs are playing better, better uh, teams here soon. They've, they've done a nice job of winning uh, seven out of the last nine, and it's been a nice story, you know, the, the Schwindel stories and the, the Wisdoms and Ortegas and uh, the resurgence of uh, Ian Happ. But uh, this, uh, you know, this was uh, something that uh, took over the, the entire day. And it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to be around. I, I got to talk to Chris a little bit with one or two other reporters before he had his um, uh, get-together with the, all the media. And, uh, he, you know, he just talked about how, um, you know, he rented an, a, a house in uh, San Francisco. It's only 10 minutes or so. Well, no, it's a little further from the ballpark, but it's, it's toward the Oakland area. And uh, just uh, how cold it is in uh, San Francisco. And uh, he, he said, I... They tell me the nicest month is October. Said I'm, I'm hoping we're in the playoffs, and and they will be, of course, and that it's warm weather, and it usually is in San Francisco. But uh, just hearing this guy that we got to talk to every day uh, for the last uh, seven years uh, talk about another experience in another city, it was it was a little uh, eye opening, and it was uh, interesting. And he was pretty laid back. He was happy to be uh, back in Chicago, and. Uh, Happy to be here. And also said, uh, you know what? Uh, I love it in San Francisco. I loved it here. I'm not putting any teams uh, off as far as when where I will come back to. And that's a, a whole different subject altogether, yep. David. But but uh, in reality, is he said after he said that, he said, yeah, I guess it'd be pretty stupid if I said I wasn't going to come back <laughs> of to Of course. Anywhere. He knew exactly <laughs> what to say and how to say it. He is a Scott Boris client who has been trained well. And you know what, Bruce, we will get to some of those implications later about the possibilities of Chris Bryant returning to the Cubs, but he may be returning to Chicago in October anyway. Who knows? Maybe the Giants and the White Sox. Maybe Chris Bryant's at the plate late in the game, or maybe he's he's facing Carlos Rodon in a key high-leverage moment in the World Series. Wouldn't that be something? Giants, White Sox, Carlos Rodon gave White Sox fans reason to consider he's back. He looks like the Carlos Rodon, the pitcher that you want to see, the pitcher that uh, you have seen most of this year last night in a victory over the Red Sox. Good victory for the White Sox. Quality win 4-3 to three over the Red Sox. Rodon goes five innings, gives up three hits, one earned run, Bruce. And I think more importantly, you saw the velocity. It maybe wasn't exactly where, if you average it out, where he has been the rest of this season, but you saw him reach back and get it when he needed it. He only went five, but that's all they need now. Very impressive return for Carlos Rodon. 
you know, again, it's been a, it's been fun watching Rodan, who's uh, was drafted in 2014 and been with the big league team since 15, although injured many of those years. Uh, just be able to go out there and pitch with, with what he has that day and get people out. That shows you the quality of stuff he has. Because uh, earlier in the year, if you remember, David, he was dominating people. Yeah, he always has that wipeout slider. But he was hitting 98 on a regular basis, okay? He was wiping people out. Now he's pitching uh, after this shoulder inflammation that uh, occurred uh, a couple weeks ago. Now he's pitching a little bit lower as far as the MPH goes, about 93, 94. But as you mentioned, David, when he needed it, uh, he he went back and he got 97, 98 when he needed it to strike somebody out. So uh, very impressive uh, the way that Carlos Rodan has learned how to pitch. Uh, give them five right now. That's all they need, um, yep. you know, going toward the playoffs and, and get that uh, shoulder in, in shape for postseason. Carlos Rodon struck out seven, and this is what he said about his outing afterward. Better than last time. Velo was a little tick up, which was good, but just went and attacked and got through five today. Tony said that they pushed you today and it get through the five innings. How did you feel as your as your outing went on? Yeah, I mean, the third inning I had to, to reach back for a few. Um, got the strikeouts that we needed. Um, Fourth was good, try to get some quick outs, but I mean, they put together, I, I think, three or four at bats that were eight to 10 pitches that worked my pitch count up. So they did a pretty good job with that. Um, but I'm happy they let me go out for the fifth. Carlos Rodon, Friday night after his five inning outing, Bruce, were you convinced they were going to let him come out for the fifth? Because as I was watching, I wondered. You want to watch his innings. You want to watch his pitches. He started so well. He was very economical with his pitches in the first inning or two. They kind of rode up there a little bit after in the third. I wasn't convinced they were going to let him, but I, I like him. I was relieved, not relieved, but I guess I was encouraged that they let him come out for the fifth. Well, at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Ethan Katz, their pitching coach, and he'll give us the, the deep insight as to what went into that thinking. But Tony LaRusse, after the game, David, talked about the fact that um, – they felt uh, he had enough in the tank and that he earned that fifth inning so that he could get the win. Uh, they were, you know, normally these days, it used to be that um, managers pushed uh, to get a pitcher through five innings so they could be entitled to the win. Uh, wins don't mean as much as far as pitchers' records go anymore. So it's about winning the game that matters most, most to the managers. But in this case, LaRusso made a point of talking about how they thought Rodan, by the gutty pitching that he, he, he displayed out there, deserved to win that ball game and deserved that fifth inning. And he got through it, and it did turn out to, to be a win. We'll discuss a little bit more about it because uh, I thought it was that game was everything that the White Sox have to be to be a, a world championship team going forward. That's worth exploring. It was a big moment for Rodan. It was a big day. For Chris Bryant, it is a big Chicago baseball weekend with the Red Sox and the Giants both in town playing the White Sox and Cubs respectively. And then maybe uh, it, it, we, we know what it means to us. We've talked about it. Maybe it's a big day for you listening at home. 312-644-6767. What do you remember about the way baseball helped America heal 20 years ago as we marked the anniversary of September 11th this morning? This is Inside the Clubhouse. You are listening to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sammy hits a high fly ball. Deep right center. Back goes Merced to the wall and right looking up. Leaping. That ball is gone for a home run. Sammy Sosa has hit one into the basket just to the right of the 368 sign. He's carrying an American flag around the bases, and the Cubs lead one to nothing. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Haw with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was the voice, the familiar voice of Pat Hughes, who called the home run on September 27, 2001. Sammy Sosa hit the home run. That was the Cubs' first home game after 9-11. They came back, and Sammy, as we have been talking about, carried the uh, got the American flag from Billy Williams, rounding first, and he carried it around the bases in a highlight that is etched indelibly in the minds and memories of Cubs fans. And it's time now to go out to the score Guest line brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find a man who played 111 games at third base on that team, a man who sits next to Pat Hughes now on a regular daily basis, Ron Coomer, our very own. Good morning, Coom. How are you? Good morning, David. Bruce, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thank you for joining us. Just let's start here before we get to what happened yesterday at Wrigley. What do you remember about that highlight you just heard, and what do you feel when you hear that highlight? Well, it's um, I, I remember the play um, like it was yesterday, you know, because none of us really knew that Billy had the flag in his pocket, right? So Sammy hits the ball, and it, it you know it just makes it into the basket. It's a high fly ball, and then all of a sudden I look up, and there's. You know, you see the ball go in the basket, and I look at Sammy, and he's getting the flag from Billy, and it was, it was, you know, it was pretty amazing to be quite honest. You know, to have that, to have that thought of doing that was was good, and um, you know, it was just a, it was a really um, hard time for everybody, right? And 
you know, we got back to playing. We, I remember we went to Cincinnati play, but we got back to playing. And, um, when we got home and, um, fans, everything, you just, you didn't really know, um, how to react to a lot of things other than extreme patriotism at the ballpark. Coombs, um, how do you think uh, uh, baseball has responded in the last 20 years since then? There'll be uh, 30 teams uh, all uh, paying tribute today in many different ways. And uh, just uh, just the way that uh, baseball responded to it all and, and helped with the healing. Yeah. Um, I thought very well. I did it. You know, we, we took some time away from the game, um, did not play for a little bit. And then when we came back, you know, I thought, um, our country was ready to have us play. I think fans are ready to have us play for the most part. Um, I remember the playoffs. Uh, that was, that was very good. You know, I, you know, and, and, you know, and it being in New York, and then I played for the Yankees the next year, so opening day next the next year, you know, we did a special, um, a very long pregame ceremony um, in 2002 to open up the season about what had happened the year before. So um, I, I thought baseball did a pretty good job. I really do. You know, how how do you, you know, it was something that was brand that had never happened before. And we just didn't know totally what to do, but I thought they, you know, the patriotism came through loud, loud and clear. Yeah, Ron. I mean, I think today you we, we get the sense players and and these topics are so widely discussed, and and we know where people stand on pretty much everything these days. But I, I wonder, right. twenty years ago, what it, what it felt like you 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 were. A member of a Cubs team that you know was in the midst of of a lot of things at that moment, and all of a sudden, all of our lives were interrupted uh, for for a few weeks and and indelibly affected for many years. And from a baseball perspective, was there this sense that you wanted to get back on the field, or as players, you know that you didn't come back until September 18th? So there was a week where there was so much uncertainty and conversation, and as I'm sure mixed feelings so somebody who was going through that what do you recall about maybe some of that ambivalence some of those mixed emotions that certainly were probably being discussed internally but um, everyone sort of had their own point of view well I think at the very beginning David when we were here in Chicago um, there was just concern um, of safety right I mean it was unbelievable you, you know I lived in Lincoln Park not far from the ballpark and you could hear the fighter jets circling the city, you know. And, and so I think everybody was still in shock and, and making sure that everybody was safe. You know, I remember walking in the downtown area, and the downtown was empty, absolutely empty the next day. And talk about eerie. That was, you know, for someone who grew up here, and you're, you know, you're accustomed to seeing people everywhere in the downtown. They having nobody there, and it being blocked off. I just, that was a, that was a wild moment um, for me. And Kuma, you know, yeah, I remember, I remember uh, the first workout. I think it was either that Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And uh, and the fact that we were living right at that point in a no-fly 
zone in our country for the first time in history, where no, no airplanes flew for the first, I don't know, three to four days uh, just to make sure that uh, uh, right. everything was locked down and security was right. And uh, just uh, talking to Don Baylor and a few of you guys on the team uh, after that workout, and it, w- it was the eeriest feeling like uh, it was almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, just the, the quiet and the unknown. Uh, what was that getting on an airplane uh, the following uh, was three or four days later when you went to Cincinnati? What was that feeling like? Because uh, af- afterwards, uh, people didn't fly in general for a, a good period of time, uh, you know, after those incidents occurred. Well, it's kind of funny because um, Paula ended up wanting to go to Cincinnati. She did not want to stay here by herself. So I went to Don and I said, hey, you know, Paula wants to drive to Cincinnati after the workout here. Would you mind if I just drove with her? And he said, no, that would be, you know, that'd be fine. You know, so <laughs> we were going to drive. And you know who who heard me asking Don that is Joe Girardi. And Joe who didn't like to fly anyways. Now he was really that, 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 you know, he, he did not want to get on a plane and Joe drove with us to Cincinnati. So we drove to Cincinnati. And then the, the first flight I was on Bruce was the flight. I believe we went from Cincy to Houston and played in Houston. Then after that, and I'll tell you, it's, it's weird, but I ended up, I had some knee issues and my knee walking in. So the first flight I was on went to Houston with the team. And then when I got to Houston, I had a big chip of cartilage in my right knee and my knee locked up. And so I had to fly back to Chicago by myself commercial. I was on one of the first commercial flights and I went through Houston airport in a wheelchair because my leg couldn't move. And I'm telling you there are 20 people. 30 right. people in the whole airport. Yep, that 100%. was very, very bizarre. And you talk about looking around and, you know, just, it just, you're, if I didn't have to fly home to get my knee scoped, there's no chance I would have been flying commercial like that. I was just, you would just, it was a weird, weird time, right? And, and nobody was in the airports, nobody. Ron, before we let you go, and really appreciate your time, it's a busy day and a busy weekend, but I know you and having a family with your father was in the Air Force and, and a respect for the military, and I just wondered, you know, everybody carves out their little slice here, and, and ours is, is the sports world, and baseball specifically. How you always consider, you, you, we began this talking about patriotism and how baseball is an expression of that for a lot of people and helps connect maybe their lives in ways that you don't necessarily plan on or ever imagine. How do you consider you know, the, the link between baseball, patriotism, and some of the things we will see today throughout Major League Baseball as all 30 teams commemorate this anniversary? Well, I think... Baseball has done a good job, right? I, I, I really believe each day at every ballpark, um, we, we do something to honor uh, a military person at, at our ballpark, at, at every ballpark. And I, I just think um, so many people have given up so much 
for us to live the way we do that I, I, I do think, um, I do believe baseball's done a good job. I think there are times we probably take that a little bit for granted. And a day like today um, might shake us back to reality, you know, of going, you know, there's so many people that, that give so much just so we can walk around and smile and go to Wrigley Field and, and you know, so today will be a good day. It'll be a good day to um, just think back of of how much sacrifice has gone on and how much, you know, devastation happened in, in one, you know, a couple quick moments. Uh, in closing with you, Akun, uh, just get one in on uh, the return of Chris Bryant, your thoughts about uh, the tribute and uh, Chris returning uh, after being traded a month ago. Well, I, I thought it was a great, you know, great tribute that the Cubs did. I thought, you know, the video um, was outstanding. And to be honest with you, Bruce, he'd be a pretty easy guy to do a do a tribute video for. He's done a lot of good <laughs> in this in a Cubs uniform. So they no problem with highlights, job. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there, there's no shortage of highlights for KB uh, with big moments. So I was I was happy. Um, it I, I thought it was needed, right? Because when the trade deadline came, um, KB and Riz did not get to play the last game here. If you recall, I'm sure you do. And then we traveled, and KB gets told on the field, "Where are we in Washington?" Right. Tim in Washington. So, you know, it was unfortunate that they didn't, we all knew what was coming, but, you know, fans didn't get to, you know, say their goodbyes. So I thought it was, it was a very good tribute. Um, and, and it was, it was needed. And I, I was glad they were able to do that for KB. You're the best Coom. Thank you for getting up this morning early. Have a great call this afternoon, Cubs and Giants and, uh, and appreciate you taking the time. Yep, I will see you boys at the ballpark here soon. You guys have a great Ron day. Coomer. That's great. The guest uh, here on Inside the Clubhouse, you know the voice. It's next to Pat Hughes every day. Does a terrific job here on the score. And by the way, 12.45 pregame, Cubs, Giants, Zach Zaidman with the call here on the score, leading the way to Coomer and Pat Hughes. In, in closing this subject out right now, and we'll continue to take reminiscence of uh, people's thoughts on – uh, the tragedies of uh, 9-11-2001 and uh, your thoughts on baseball and its healing. Um, I was on a flight to Houston uh, to cover the team. The team was in, in the hunt for the playoffs that year, and they had uh, they'd had a horrible loss a week before uh, in Miami where uh, Tom Gordon, their closer, came in, gave up a big home run. Uh, to uh, a walk-off home run, the Marlins that basically ended their 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 run. They were they were toast after that. I think they lost seven out of the last next nine and and fell out of it. But I was also on a flight uh, from Chicago to Houston. There were fourteen people on the flight, David. Uh, that wow. that is, and and I looked around and and it scared me. Okay. I wasn't happy about going on the flight, but, you know, we were covering the Cubs in a playoff run. But when I saw 14 people on and um, the looks on the faces of the um, the people uh, that were working uh, on the plane and the pilots that came back to say hello, it was one of the eerier 
feelings I've ever had. That's what Bruce remembers. What do you remember? 312-644-6767. Also, what would you think about the Chris Bryant reunion or Carlos Rodon's uh, outing last night? Strong start for the White Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field. Let us know. We are inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. One thing's for sure, you know, the Red Sox are really working hard to, and they're staying close in that wild card race. And, uh, you know, we wanted to be sure that we were playing just as hard. And we, we did. It was, it was really an outstanding game. It had, to be, it had to be a fun game to manage in the sense of uh, not fun, but the fact <laughs> that you, uh, you pulled out all stops from the sixth inning on, including a defensive move, and you basically got four saves. Well, believe me, I like those games. You know, when you get so far ahead, you can't mess them up. But uh, no, it's just it's a tribute to their offense. They just kept plugging in. They kept putting us in situations where we had to go to the next man up. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock. That was the voice, of course, of Tony La Russa. Bruce, fun to you, work to him. I know what you're going at. That was a that was a fun game to watch. I don't didn't sound like it was a fun game to manage. I, th- I think it was. I think it was because. If you if you think about it, you know Tony Larusa at age 76 has been destroyed earlier in the year. Not so much uh, the last part when they've had a 10 game lead for the last couple months all the way through. Um, for not being uh, you know too old, probably not being able to be prepared for games like this. So in, in this situation, he really managed three innings ahead. Uh, he brought in Bummer to get out. Um, uh, Devers in a very uh, important part. Uh, he brought in um, Adam Crochet to, to get out uh, Schwarber uh, in a very important sixth, seventh, eighth. Then he brings in uh, uh, Kimbrel in an important situation. So when I said four saves in a row, it was four saves in a row that he prepared for from the sixth inning on with Bummer, Crochet, then Kimbrel. And then, of course, Hendricks. It worked to perfection, and that's why he gave that response. I prefer we have those blowout games where uh, <laughs> I don't have to worry about uh, right. anything. But I think it was a quintessential Hall of Fame Tony Larusa managing that game three uh, three innings ahead, and it for the most part working out. Obviously, Tapera gave up a couple of runs in between there, but Not getting ideal. their big hitters out. David, getting Devers out and getting Schwarber out with potential tying and go-ahead runs on base all of those innings, uh, I thought that was a spectacular game for the White Sox. I like the way you look at four save opportunities. If your starter gives you five, as Carlos Rodon did in striking out seven, giving up just three hits and a run, you have four individual innings that are save opportunities for whatever reliever you go to. And certainly the Sox have their options. They have a deep bullpen that should be Let's go back to March. Let's go back to April. That was going to be the strength of this team, right? Best bullpen in baseball. Aaron Bummer says we should be 95-0 and 0 if we have a lead. That is by design, also by design. Jose Abreu driving in big runs, big home run last night. They beat a good team. Red Sox playing for something. They're clinging to that lead in the wild card standings in the American League. That was a quality victory. The magic number now 12, Bruce, and every game – you get closer to the end of October, you start to get that sense of the intensity is ratcheting up. Yeah, the schedule, unless uh, the White Sox can go on a winning streak here 
and uh, Cleveland goes on a long losing streak, uh, it, it appears they're going to uh, clinch on the road, okay? Because they have a, a lot of road games coming up uh, after this homestand. So it appears, you know, the following week, um, I, I'm thinking it, it could happen somewhere around the 23rd, 22nd, 23rd, uh, depending on whether Cleveland hangs in there. And Cleveland, by the way, um, having lost an entire rotation and their manager, have uh, hung in there to play 500 baseball. So on a, on a given night, they still throw out their tremendous young talent starting pitching-wise, and they are not a sure thing to lose on a daily basis. So uh, projecting exactly when this would happen, a little bit difficult, but somewhere in the uh, the 20s. Take a shot. Take a shot. 23rd would be good for me. How about you? It's fine. You know, I would prefer they do it at home uh, okay. if they can, but I, I don't – I don't see it uh, the way the schedule is breaking out right now. Let's see what Ethan Katz thinks. The White Sox young pitching coach will join us next here. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.